Hello everybody, this is Relic, a classic paintball podcast. I'm your host, Tori Shrum. Thanks for tuning in. In today's episode, episode two, is still brought to you by my back pocket. And on today's episode, I interview Eric Sanchez of Ground Zero Red. They're coming hot off a third place finish at Woods Bowl World Cup and a showing at ICPL in the Old Bay Classic uh, in Maryland. We're getting some technical issues ironed out and continue to try to bring you a better experience every time. And with that being said, thanks again for tuning in and enjoy the show. All right, so it's recording. Sounds good. All right. Thank you for hanging with me. Uh, Yeah, this is Relic, a classic paintball podcast. I'm Tori Shrum, talking to Eric Sanchez of GZ Red. How you doing? Doing great, Josh. Thanks for having me aboard. All right. Uh, so this is uh, really just for, as I talked to uh, Steve from Popular Unknown Paintball Podcast, he explained to me, like, dude, you are a you're a niche of a niche market as far as, you know, you got like paintball and then you got competitive paintball and then you got like mechanical. And so, um, but it's, it's all I know and it's all that I'm really into right now. So uh, I guess that'll just be the train that I ride until it either uh, derails or, uh, you know, we just have some more, uh, have some more fun with this. So anyway, uh, welcome to the podcast. Got a bunch of questions. Uh, hopefully this doesn't turn into like a, a quick fire session, but, uh, again, oh, thanks I for, uh, I'm a wealth thanks. of information. Trust me. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us. All right. Well, let's hear your intro. Uh, where are you from? All right. So originally from Connecticut, uh, born in New York city. Um, I've spent most of my life in Connecticut, you know, traveled around a bunch, uh, within my life, but mostly sanctioned Connecticut. Uh, now I live in Annapolis, Maryland. I'm playing for ground zero red, uh, based out of long Island. Um, and you know, I couldn't be happier with the squad right now. They're just such amazing guys. And it's kind of like, when you find your niche, you find your family, you find your the players you want to be with, and it just starts clicking, you know, and you want to just continue growing. It's not like, you know, you want to just, oh, we're going to win this. We're going to win that. No, we've been going into these events telling each other, hey, guys, listen, I'm going to remind you again, win or lose, let's try and take something from this event and get better. And, you know, that mentality has really helped us grow and develop as a squad to the point where, you know, even when we lose points, and that doesn't get to us. You know, we're like, okay, what do we do? Uh, what do we do right? What do we do wrong? How do we fix it? Was it an individual mistake? Was it a team mistake? You know, how can we correct it? Okay, we learned. Let's try and grow from there. If we make that mistake, we know how to fix it again. And if we don't fix it, well, then we're going to keep drilling it into our heads until we fix it. You know, it, being good is not something that, as a squad, is not something that just clicks right away. It, it's something that you feel and you develop over time and that's been big for us so yeah for sure i can i can definitely understand that uh actually this last icpl we'll circle back to that uh, oh so we'll talk yeah about that since we both got to suffer that sauna uh while we were there but uh yeah the team that i was with same thing like we hadn't played together and some of us hadn't played together in 20 years um you know it was it was cool to get back in the back into it but it was also cool to have that same approach that you were talking about like hey guys uh, one of our teammates, uh, Ryan Hart, was uh, like, hey, 
you know, a lot of us haven't played together in a while. And long as a lot of us have never played together before, you know, period. So let's try to have some fun with this. You know, it is what it is. Let's try to be competitive, so to speak. But, uh, you know, let's add, it's our first time together. Let's try to have some fun with this. So I can definitely uh, jam on uh, that approach for sure. Um, how did you get started? Oh, how did I get started? This is a great story. Okay. All so right. um, I was in middle school. Um not even 10, I must have been like nine and a half, you know, barely uh, able to really comprehend life itself, you know, but uh, I was like nine, almost 10. And um, yeah, one of my buddies had a, a paintball birthday party at some recreational field in Connecticut called Extreme Paintball. Uh, his name is Rob Regis. He's actually a, a rapper now with the Zilla Nation crew and all that. So if you guys get a chance, check out my boy, he's great. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it was his first birthday party and uh, our 10th birthday party he was turning 10 and um they let me play even though i was nine i told them i was 10 and uh and my parents sign off on it and so i wasn't really you know too excited for it i was like okay it sounds like it's gonna hurt it's not gonna be you know something for me whatnot and i played and i was like eh about it after the end of the day i was like okay that was that was fun it was cool i just didn't i got shot way too much to really understand what was going on and you know i, I was young so i wasn't really into it i thought it was cool but not for me. Um, my mom was there, you know, she was watching and all that and supporting me. And um, while I was at that party and, you know, she kind of grasped the concept of like what paintball uh, is going to become. Cause she saw, she started doing some research beforehand before I went to this event about paintball and like the professional series and the events and all that. What um, year was this? Maybe 99, I want to say. Okay. Um, and so she was, you know, doing her research just to make sure it was a safe thing for me and all that. She ended up really liking it, you know, before we even played. And then, you know, so she dragged me back a second time. And even then I was like, okay, yeah, this is cool. You know, we're playing on some like speedball courses that are not airball. They're like, you know, um, spool fields or this and that, little makeshift bunkers, which was cool. Uh, you know, like the mechanical circuit is now, but you know, people had e-bladed autocockers and were ripping me up. And, you know, I'm just like, okay, I'm getting shot a lot. And I don't know why. And I was starting to get upset. Like, why am I getting shot so much? Why are they like literally ripping me up? And they're not going, think you're out. I don't get it. Like, you know, as a kid, I didn't get that concept. And then one of the autococker players who had like an e-bladed cocker, who was just like, you know, flanking everybody on the tape, every point against all these little big rec players you know, literally destroying us and having, it seemed like he was having no mercy. So I was not about talking to him or having a good time with him. He actually ended up coming up to me and a few of the other kids and being like, listen, there's, I was beating you guys so bad. And there's a reason why, and this is why you guys are being so timid. If you really want to like learn how to beat people in this game, sometimes you need to be a little aggressive. So try it. I'll be on your team and you try to do what I do. Just run around the side without getting hit when you see the opportunity and keep going. Just keep going. If you get hit, you got hit, but you tried it. And that's what matters. And so he would flank around uh, or I would flank around. Like when it, he would give me the, the go, he's like, go, go, go. And I would, he would just stay in the center and I would literally just run and see everyone's backs. And I'm like, wow, this actually worked. And I'm, this is I'm awesome. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's just, you know, continuously picking people up and then hiding. And uh, I kept doing it and doing it. And then I went to my first tournament with a bunch of kids with Titmans because, you know, we were like 11. We're like, oh, yeah, we're going to play a tournament. So we joined like a novice tournament because they didn't have a rookie class. 
and you know back then it was rookie novice um amateur and then pro yeah so, pre uh <laughs> we're pre basically playing days. yeah we we're basically playing what uh, the division two <laughs> with Timmins back then and some uh air balls it was air ball too i had never played an air ball field in my life indoor air ball tournament i'd oh, never geez. seen air ball or anything we all had like i had just bought my first tipman spray painted a camo all my teammates were like renting guns um or markers at this event which were also like bt or not bts they were tipmans you know 98 customs or just 98s or carbines or whatever and um we went in there and we kept getting smoked and then you know, I was like, all right, guys, we're still having fun. This is going to be great. And everyone's all about it. We're like, yeah, we're having fun. This is a good time to experience, you know, paintball and all that. And literally, I was the only one who had ever played other than the two guys on my team that had um, been at that birthday party. But I had been way more than everybody else. And we were already doing a tournament. And, um, yeah, it was crazy because, you know, I had the same thing happen where uh, someone came up to me. He was like, you should try and flank them, like, really hard. So we tried an aggressive play, flanked them. And we won a point against a, you know, a team with all the DM3s. And this was like in 2000, or not DM3s, they were um, Jenny Matrixes. They were like t 2002. It was um, like right before the DM3s really got big. Uh, the bricks. Yeah, they, they might have been, not been Jenny. They were like whatever before Jenny. I think there was one model specifically before the Jenny Matrixes came out, only a limited run. And then they changed it to Gen Jenny. And then it became Die. And then I forget the whole what had happened, but. When that whole thing started, uh, that was actually like one of my, I think that actually was my first electronic gun, to tell you the truth. It was mine uh, too, yeah. Yeah, and uh, whenever I got it, they were having such a hard time cranking them out that some of them, like whenever I got mine and pulled it out of the box, my reg was raw. It wasn't even anodized. Yeah. Like it was just silver, and it was, they were everybody's just kind of like, well, you get what you get, you know. Some of them yep. have like, different feed necks and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, mine came with like a, a raw beehive reg on it because that's just what they were available or what they were able to throw in the box at the time because they couldn't make them fast enough. Yeah. Well, anyway, you know, like after that tournament and after I made that one move and I flanked everybody and we won against these guys who were wearing all dye with uh, the Jenny matrixes and all that. I started to like literally after that point, like really like paintball. I, I started to really love it. And, you know, my mom was always on the sideline, like learning now all the airball bunker names and all the codes are just learning and learning and learning. <laughs> and so, you know, she would consistently bring me to these, uh, to extreme paintball, which was really close to us at the time. Um, and it was all woods fields, not airball. And I was like, eh, all right about woods, but I was just learning and I would just try different things and try different things. And not only that, but my mom was actually playing now with me. Like she was oh, wow. like jumping in and grabbing a Titman and whatnot and just, playing it and loving it way more than me and i was loving it a lot that's so almost I, like the opposite of everybody else's stories about their right? parents and how they thought it was crazy it. Yeah. the only issue was like we couldn't really afford too much of it so we were trying to figure out like okay how often can we play how are we going to raise money like this and that like how are we going to figure out uh how are we going to save so that we can you know get the next paintball gun or whatnot and um i actually ended up spending a, a few a little bit of my money not on paintball gear but on paintball dvds and this is around 2003, 2004, where I had just was just coming into to high school and um, or before I came into high school where I met, you know, I was a loner in high school, complete opposite of what I was like what I am now. But uh, I got to meet some great friends in eighth grade that kind of introduced me to some more people in the paintball um, community within high school by 
being like, okay, just be yourself, be yourself. You want to wear paintball pants at school, do it. You know, like my buddy Gene and all them who's been supporting me. So I did. And of course me wearing my paintball pants or my paintball gear to school looked ridiculous, but you know what? I had so many, like not so many, there's like three or four people in my school. Cause I lived in a small like farm town and our high school was combined with two uh, high school or two towns. But um, people were coming up to me and saying, Oh, you play paintball. That's cool. We should play sometime. One of those was my really good friend, Brian drew who uh, has since passed away, but uh, he's one of the reasons I definitely want to continue the sport. He had such a big drive to become pro, a bigger kid, always bullied. And, you know, it, it was just – he's also a reason why I'm a big part of the community is because uh, he's just been so influential in my life. He was very caring, you know, got mixed in the wrong crowd when I went to college uh, and really lost himself um, mentally. He was very depressed and, you know, it just – one thing led to another, drugs, this and that. But – he always had the biggest heart and he would like always show up to my house. And my, even when I'm not there, like I was at college, living at college, he would show up to my house uh, and ask my parents, you know, while he's a little, you know, not normal, if you know what I mean, a little um, yeah. high or uh, drunk. And he would just come to my house and sit down with my mom and just vent to my mom be like, I miss Eric. I'm, I love you guys. Thank you, Mrs. Sanchez, this and that, you know, it's that kind of people like my mom that need, you you need people like that in the paintball community to support each other. So we have like a mental health kind of, you know, support and you just help those in need. That's, that's what it comes down to. And the more people you help in need, people recognize, Hey, listen, the paintball community is supportive of each other. I want to be a part of that. And that is how you grow the sport. Not, Oh, we look cool doing it. I mean, you can look all cool. You're doing it, but no one's going to want to be involved with you if you're bringing them down. Right. Yeah, so, I uh, I can definitely tell you. I, I think I said this while we were talking last night for a couple minutes, uh, trying yeah. to hash out how we were going to pan this out. That I mean, I'm 15 years of military service, and like, yeah, I've got some good friends in the military, but I can tell you that like my paintball buddies are right there, if not, you know, uh, a little bit better than some of my friends that I've made in the military, just because. And uh, even when paintball wasn't there, some of the friends that I'd made in paintball were still there, like the whole time, you know. Um, so yeah, I fully agree that you know, that, that aspect of the community of supporting one another and being there for one another and looking after that mental health and things like that is, is huge. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's just, it's huge. And uh, I guess the next part of my life, uh, I basically got um, so involved with paintball and I was watching these dirt DVDs and obscure influence. And actually I was in obscure influence. It was before that. It was like, uh, it was before roadkill, pre roadkill. Um, it was a few of um a few DVDs back, like push and all that. And I, I was really getting involved in seeing like what they're doing and why they're doing it and why it looks cool and why they're getting away with what they do and all that in the movie, as far as gameplays go. So, you know, I'm like 13 years old trying to reenact this on the airball field. And, um, I caught the attention of a, a few people locally to me, thankfully, but, um, a few people who play division two, uh, X ball or played division two X ball. And uh, it was Ghost Paintball, uh, specifically that CT Turmoil jersey up there. Um, and, you know, Chris Parra was the team captain of that. He played for NYX later on. But um, he really just got so interested in my gameplay. I was a snake player, but I was also the guy, little kid, you know, that would dive into the snake, wait for two guys to fill in, jump, like shoot across the field, wrap the inside, jump highway, one, two on the highway, and then just continue running and, you know, it was that those kind of things I had seen in the video that I was like the videos that I was reenacting that really drew the interest of the players, uh, just thinking logically, but also 
doing stuff that you wouldn't you'd be you have to be creative with you know and so he ended up picking me up and i said um on his squad for d2 and i was like 13 and i was like listen i'll only join your squad under one condition um my buddy brian joins with me you know the bigger kid who was also wanted to play also tried out for them when he had me come over for a tryout and they weren't going to pick him up and they said fine turns out brian ended up being a better player than me <laughs> so he ended up, you know, really do it. He was great backfill, uh, midfill, uh, all around. He could jump on the snake. Bigger kid, totally could do it. Didn't matter. He, he, I mean, he was bigger, but he was also smaller, so he could jump in that snake. And the beams were bigger and do work. But uh, yeah, it was just incredible being able to play Division Two X ball against like Rocket Kids, Enemy, you know, like all the big names over there for D Two. Oh, Enemy, I haven't heard, I haven't heard that name in a while. Yeah, I remember playing. Oh, they had me play a D side on against Enemy, and uh, I was like, they were like trying to. I, I had to jump up. The Doritos were so big, I would like jump up to snap at somebody. I could literally just jump straight up instead of coming to the side for a, a snapshot. <laughs> and they're like, what? Like they're, they're like, how is he snapping so fast? Because I was literally just doing a little hop, and then I would come out to the side and run to the fifty. Look back, my whole team's dead, and then I would just get smoked. But it was just a good time, you know, and that's what it comes down to is you're paying all that money for events, you know, why not just enjoy it, win or lose, right? And grow, right. definitely grow with it, you know? But So so how did uh, how did you or how did GZ Red get into uh, Mechanical Kids, you guys? Congratulations, took third at this last uh, Woods Ball World Cup, and uh, we'll talk about right. that a little bit too. But um, so how did, how did that, you know, get started? How did you get into Mech? Or uh, classic, classic, so to speak, or unless you, oh, everybody. Man. So Mech has been like the greatest thing for me because number one, um, you know, I got involved with um, through Will, uh, Will Arroyo by uh, I think uh, it was Waldo actually was the one who hit me up from Overshot Overshot Paintball Podcast. He hit me up. He was like, "Hey, listen, uh, one of the Ground Zero teams needs um, a body for mechanical. Can you play?" And I was like, "I think it was an ICPL too." Um, at OXCC, believe it or not. Um, and he was like, yeah, can you play? And I was like, um, sure. I've never played mechanical before. I don't have a mechanical marker, but uh, I'll play. So I ended up linking up with 24K, uh, Ground Zero 24K. And oh, it wow. was like, uh, it was me, it was uh, Will Arroyo. We had like Whitey. Uh, I don't know if you know Whitey from um, uh, Reservoir Dogs. And uh, we had like a bunch of, it was like a stacked roster, but it was like also like, let's just have fun kind of thing. And yeah. we did work. We did work. I think we took a uh, third, maybe second. I don't remember. I have to look at it back at the ranking, but um, it was third or second. And it was me, like the Delayer brothers from Overshot Podcast, like all those guys. And it was, and like Bobby and Robert Martinez. Oh my God. We had like so much fun. It, it, it really introduced me to having fun again, rather than competition, this win that, you know, and it was just like a great time. You know, they were like, all right, you're the front player. You're going to go far up, do whatever you want. I was like, sweet. So I'm running to like their 30 yard line, like diving into like a boat, like a, literally a real boat, <laughs> not, not like next to the bunker, but like into the boat. Yeah. Like, it's like, duh, duh, duh. With like my, this uh, auto cocker that someone was letting me borrow, and I'm like, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> I so it. I instantly grew a love for it, and you know, we did really well. And um, uh, what was it? Yeah, so I, I we just had a blast, and then it really was like an eye opener for me. Uh, Will uh, and Chris Cole and all of them were really getting me involved with Ground Zero Gold, 
um, really trying to get me to join the roster. And I think uh, my words were, I'd rather, you know, not play pro right now and really build my mechanical skill level than just jump into something that I know I'm not ready for. Because that would be a disservice to them. And that's what I did. And, um, you know, eventually they were really trying to get me, especially Chris Cole. He was um, really trying to get me on the roster and all that. Uh, He finally got me involved with his son, Chris Cole Jr. I played on silver in uh, Chicago ICPL um, last or two years ago. And, um, you know, we did we did work. We had a blast. It was great. You know, we were I was usually on their side of the zipper within like two minutes because, <laughs> you know, I would just have a plan where I would lane out to someone on one side and then just shoot up the, the zipper side, hopefully work myself up to get two eliminations by outsmarting them or whatnot, whatnot and then just fly up to their zipper. Even if they know I'm there, <laughs> they're going to be scared shitless, right? So um, that's what happened. We did uh, pretty well. We made to Ocho's and then we just lost uh, a lot of bodies early in the Ocho's or quarters. It might have been a quarters. Um I think they technically call it the semis because the next step is the finals round robin with four. But, um, uh, yeah, it was just a great time. And then I ended up going and meeting up with uh, Will again to do some – or uh, Chris Cole again and all them to do some practices uh, with with uh, some of the silver guys. And then Will was like, hey, any interest in playing with GZ Red for an event? And I was like, I've never heard of GZ Red, but hell yeah. He's like, don't worry. <laughs> These guys are – just super fun guys, uh, straight mushrooms, you know, fun guys. But <laughs> but uh, they um, they welcomed me right away. You know, I, I played uh, PNL first event with them and got to not only showcase what I could do. I feel like I had to prove it to them, but we got it was more of um, a team effort. Like we got to work together. We lost a few points really early, and I noticed immediately that no one was getting distraught about it. They were just there like, dude, that was sick what you tried there. And I was like, thanks. This is awesome. Like, I have a great feeling. Yeah, and we just – we flowed with it. And uh, after that event, I just knew this is a squad I want to be with. And I told Will straight up, I was like, listen, I'm sticking with Red because these guys just blow my mind. They let me have fun. I let them do their thing. But we work collaboratively, collaboratively, ah, collaboratively as a squad – to grow and uh, learn from our mistakes. And our the biggest thing with them, with Ground Zero Red, like my teammates and me, is they want to be aggressive. There is no sit back. There is punch them in the face kind of thing right away and just do it unpredictably. Like you don't know – like when you're playing us, you basically know we're coming at you hard and we want you to know that we're coming at you hard. But we also are very unpredictable. We don't want you to know what we're doing. So you can shoot two, three of us off the break, but then, you know, the two, three that just filled their spots in the snake or whatever. Now we got three in the snake or whatnot on the zipper snake or something, because you, you may have laid out two, but now we have so much presence in such a crucial area where say it's the strongest side of the field or, or whatnot, that that side's going to dominate. And now my other aggressive side is going to try and lock down. And now they got their positions or whatnot. We really try not to have very many back players, if any. So um, yeah, I don't know if you knew or not. Uh, I actually ended up playing against you in ICPL, and so uh, I'm I'm familiar with that with that game plan. Yeah, we we just punched to the face, and you know what? It's not win or lose the point. Like I said, like we go into these tournaments, like we're gonna learn from it. And you look at Max Lugquest or any of the other. Well, he's actually OG uh, GZ too, but um, you look at any of the other um, pros like Fedorov, for example. 
they go out when they practice. You'll see them at practices playing other pro squads, doing the most ridiculous, crazy stuff and getting blown apart, blown apart. And then they'll do it again and again and again and still keep getting blown apart until they finally make it. And then that's, the reason why they do that is so that they learn what they can and cannot get away with and why. So we take that with a grain of salt and we do the same thing with practice, uh, with events, because uh, every time we come together as a squad, it's a learning experience. So, you know, until we can learn how to hone in our aggressive gameplay, um, once we do, we're going to then take it to the next level and dial it back a notch and then dial it back a notch. And then we'll know, you know, where to play or what to, uh, style to play um, in certain scenarios or like against uh, certain teams or um, what caters to our style more and this and that. So we start with the aggression and we work ourselves down, but that's going to help us become more unpredictable and more of a threat. So, yeah, um, I mean, it, it definitely gives you the uh, it gives you the ability to kind of to kind of poke around and see what you can get away with. I was actually listening to um, uh, I was actually listening to PTG last night play the game mm-hmm. uh, while I was driving to DC, and they were talking to A Rod, and A Rod was talking about how like uh, I'm, I don't even know what event he was talking about, but I guess like he had just decided for like an entire practice, like I'm just going to run down the center of the field without stopping you know and see what he could get away with and what he could figure out so it's funny you should say that because i mean it's you know he he's obviously in a place where a lot of people want to be and it's from doing very similar things right and i mean look at a rod for example a rod uh when he's playing with dynasty they'll sit him when he's doing well and it's not because you know they necessarily need to or they're just thinking about maybe this is not the best gameplay it's because he's so unpredictable right and sometimes the teammates don't know if he's uh, going to do something that he should or shouldn't do. And, you know, it's it's kind of like that with um, a lot of different players too. But with A-Rod specifically, you know, they'll sit him because he's unpredictable and they don't know if in a crucial situation if he's going to be able to pull it off or do something that's uh, going to be detrimental. But in the times where they definitely need something crazy or if they definitely know that he's going to – capitalize but not know how they'll throw him in right away without question and that's really what you know makes them makes him a threat is he's a great player smart player but he's so damn unpredictable that you know if your teammates don't know what you're going to do your opponents definitely don't so um you know and that can really open up games you know it can change the whole mood if you're you know down a point and you throw an a-rod and he does something crazy and gets away with it and now your team's like oh my god now we're tied and it builds the mood up and the other team's like oh my god i don't know what to do and then you throw an a-rod again for another point when they're tied and they're like i don't know what to expect and they freak out you know it's the same thing with us but with you know the concept of the whole team doing that being unpredictable but knowing our style of play so like you know like i always say practice is uh, just as important off the field as well you know you can go bowling do whatever together as a squad you yeah. learn each other as people so that I can already tell you, I'm starting to learn a lot about my players already uh, from the few events I've been with them. And I'll like look at Lucas, uh, Lucas Brown. Uh, he's usually in front of me, uh, but I'll like look at him if he's next to me or in front of me and just instantly know what he's going to do, why he's going to do it, or how he's going to react to someone who's moving up the tape or whatnot like that. So I can process that real quick and be like, all right, this is what I need to do and then react. And so it's just that that feeling, that knowing that, all right, he's going to be unpredictable. I don't know what he's going to do, but just looking at him and knowing, okay, this is the situation. He realizes what the situation is. This is definitely how he's going to react. 
Um, and then I can react accordingly. That's kind of the most important part, not the, oh, uh, it's unpredictable. So, you know, we're going to throw it at them kind of thing, which is also important, but just knowing your there's, team, you know? Yeah, there's definitely, that's definitely a, a pretty winning recipe for a lot of teams as far as it's not necessarily what the individual, obviously individual skill is going to come into it, but then, you know, just the players understanding one another and what they're going to do, you know what right. I mean? And, you know, uh, I definitely want to mention one more thing, uh, not about my squad, but about the Misfits, actually. Rocky, I'm going to be on a po- uh, the Popular Unknown podcast with him next weekend, or next nice. week on Wednesday. But um, shout, out to, um, shout out to Popular Unknown and Steve. Yeah, uh, he, Steve's a great guy, uh, and, and Rocky's going to be with me. Um, but you got to be creative also, not just in mech, but in airball. And creative is just thinking outside the box, doing things that you wouldn't necessarily expect to happen, you know, against you so that the other team doesn't expect it either. Like, for example, you know, I, I was playing against the Misfits, and I ran to, like, the midline on the at the Woods Ball World Cup, and um, I was on the, the far tape in the midline, and this, like, tall, tall bunker, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm looking over the top, and there's paint coming at me, so I drop down. The paint's coming from all the way in the back corner, which is rocky. Yep. Um, so I, I get – it's a tall bunker. I get down on my knees because it's really coming in close, and I don't know why – figure it's the distance get on my knees and then i see it's coming even closer so i drop my gun to the ground push it into this bunker which is still a tall tall bunker and i'm like really tucking in like real tight on this tall bunker and i'm like how is this happening yeah Paint's getting lower and lower and lower it smacks my gun still and my gun is touching the bunker on the ground i'm like how the i look at the ref i'm like that was a good shot and the ref's like yeah i was you're out so I'm like, I'm like, how did that happen? I looked over, I see Rocky, and it's just dropping straight into the the bunker. Like he's just be, uh, come out, and he's like, all right, that's another kill, whatever. I was I was like, literally just listening to this interview for the uh, for the overshot. I was actually just listening to the overshot. Yeah. About the, the woods ball. I was, I was listening it up, or I was listening to that to uh, ask you know a little bit about the woods ball later, and we'll get to that. But uh, I was actually listening to this story uh, whenever you were talking about that. Yeah, it's still an incredible thing. He was so creative. He put his his uh, velocity to like two forty while he's in the back on a woods ball field, which is big, <laughs> and yeah. literally was just hucking it in the air like an airstrike. You know, was, I got precision airstrike on, you know, by Rocky Cagnone. Or Cagnone. <laughs> and, um, he, um, Who can say they got that? But, you know, he's being creative with it. And, you know, I've pulled off uh, some creative stuff, too, on the airball field. And it's the same concept. You just basically think about something and think, what would you do in that scenario if you saw that? And do it so that they react that way. Like, I backed up from a bunker at the, I think it was Vegas 2016. Uh, we won that one. Um, but there was a guy at the 50 at the wall. It was the wall back then. And I ran up and I hit it and I, ba- I backed up like three feet, slid onto my stomach right next to a ref with my marker like pointed up at the cor- at the side of the wall. Guy runs around trying to stab me at the wall. I light him up next to the ref. Ref's looking at me like, what? You're not a ref. <laughs> Shot the guy. The guy comes off. Um, the ref just didn't move because he didn't know how to react. He's like, I don't want to give away the, the situation. So I let backed up like laid next to the ref with my marker like pointed at him shot the guy and then went up to the wall and took the wall nice i was like camouflage right there but (laughs) it's that kind of creative stuff that you come up with or game plans that you need to really think about you know i saw one guy ncpa uh he was actually on my team uh back then uh for college he you know turned his hopper off his rotor off shot out all his paint and turned his eyes off because he's the last one alive against 
or no, it was a two on uh, four or something. We were losing. Um, and I was on the field with him. I'm looking over. He like is shooting air at these guys. And they're like, okay, like he's snapping out, shooting air at these guys on both all the sides. So they think he has no paint. And, you know, I'm trying to hold him in. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> they come running down the field trying to get me and just forgetting about him. Turns his hopper back on, roasts one guy, wraps around, roasts another guy, and then shot the last two. Like nice. on a rundown. I'm like, who thinks of that, right? That's some old school stuff right there. Right? Who thinks of that? He just turned his rotor back on and just ran down the field. <laughs> Badass. So, yeah. All right. So, uh, next question. And uh, a lot of people don't ask this question because a lot of people talk about, you know, where they've been, what they've done, the teams they played for, things like that. What a lot of people don't talk about is um, how'd you pay for it? You know, oh, right. Yeah. And, and that can be a super personal question, you know. And I mean, if it's, you know, selling Vicodin on the boardwalk, that's up to you, whatever. But I mean, uh, uh, you know, teach their own, I guess. But uh, there are some kids that, you know, are that want to that want to play pro. There's some kids that want to progress. There's some kids that want to go up the ranks. Um, there's some dudes that want to do the same thing, you know, but they just don't right. really know how to make ends meet. Hell, I'm one of them. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the question is, uh, how'd, how'd you make the ends meet or how'd you, uh, how'd you manage to, to keep making it happen, so to speak? Well, you know, the recipe for success is don't do it alone, right? You're going to have to have support somewhere. You can't be a lone wolf in anything in life anymore. You need to really be a part of something, the community, for example. Um, and I learned that the hard way growing up because, you know, I was that kid that would always save his money and then spend it on paintball, save his money, spend it on paintball and just be broke growing up. Right. Um, you know, once you start reaching out to people, um, who are going to support you, uh, mentally, physically, like get you in the gym to really train for things like paintball or get you back in shape, you know, get you out of a, a slump with the depression or whatnot, uh, support you on social media, you know, by liking your page or whatnot, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, uh, really helps. And then there's the finance portion, which no one can do alone, right? If you try to do it alone, you're going to be broke, you're going to be miserable, but you're still going to love the sport kind of thing. And that, those are mistakes that I've made growing up. Um, it's more of a reach out for help kind of thing. You know, it's, it's you, you got to know people who will help you. And to find those people, you need to know other people who know those people. So market yourself, really market yourself and make sure that people know you're trying to develop yourself and the community. It's a paintball community. It's not a, a paintball individual sport. Or it's, it's literally a team sport. So, you know, for finances, it's like a scratch your back, you scratch mine kind of thing. Don't look for a sponsorship. Don't look for something that, you know, people are going to be like, oh, I'm sponsored by this company because they're giving me a discount. No, look for a partnership. Become an ambassador for programs like, you know, foundations or anything along the lines of, um, companies that need help too, you know, you're, they don't want to see people who are asking for free gear. Yeah. They want to see how are you going to help me so I can help you kind of thing. Yeah, and that might mean, you know, going to events, working their tent for free, just to help them out. You know, uh, say you're playing a paintball of an NXL and you got knocked out of the, the, um, and the prelims or whatnot find any person that you can that you will support and you know that will support you and reciprocate you know just be like let me work for you for free let me help you out for free anything i can do uh let me promote you for free let me do whatever i can they'll start seeing that and eventually they'll become good friends of yours so like i said don't look for sponsorships from companies 
look for lifetime friends, like lifetime long friends. You know, that, those are the kind of people in the industry that you want to be a part of or you want to be uh, involved with because they're the ones that will really support you, not only, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, but financially as well sometimes. Uh, when it comes to gear, when it comes to paying entries, you know, ref your local tournaments field, uh, field tournaments, you know, um, that way they'll be like, all right, well, you helped us out. Let me at least give you a couple of hundred bucks for the two tournaments you refed so we can get your paint paid for for an event or something. Or maybe they can link up a deal with a company where they can actually make it cheaper for themselves to pay for your paint. And, um, you know, it, it's all about networking within the industry. And that's what back in the day when they had all the teams that were really the community was so strong back then it really was a strong thing and it's since fallen off and you know we really need to rebuild that the aspect of you know i understand the whole like violence and like you know uh go out there have fun like this that that kind of was like it's a flashy kind of thing but when you're in it in the sport for yourself you're not going to make it when you're in it for your team or for the community that's when you really make it you know it, it's about everyone, not just you. So if you want help, help others too. And that, that's my biggest, you know, that's my two cents on the situation is it's a community. Like I said, we help each other. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, it was a question more so like, how did you do it? But I can tell you that's, that's uh, advice that, I mean, I wish oh. I had heard whenever I was a kid, you right. know what I mean? Like, well, so how I did it was, Literally, I did it the wrong way. I, I financed <laughs> myself. And now looking back on it, I'm like, I should have really been a part of building the community sooner because the people I've gotten involved with, the people that have supported me, the people that I'm able to support, it's just been an incredible journey. And I wish I had done it sooner. So Yeah, that's great advice still either way. All right, let's talk about, so Woods Bowl World Cup. Uh, you guys went to that. I know that for a little while, uh, I... Like pre-COVID, I know that they were talking about it. And then as soon as COVID happened, I uh, kind of lost track about where the planning stage was for all that. I know they had some some planning issues as far as dealing with the state of New York and things like that. But right. uh, so tell us about it, man. So don't get me wrong. I love everything mech. I love ICPO, ICC, just anything paintball related in general, speedball, rec ball, scenario play. I will love the crap out of it. But Woods Ball World Cup, let me just tell you, the amount of effort that w went into that event, it really showed because that was the most fun paintball event I've ever been to. It was oh, wow. definitely the most fairly reft event in mech that I've ever played by I far. See. You literally had the master blasters reffing the entire event. These are pros who know the, the, the event. You know, they know how to play paintball. They know the cheating that's involved in mech and how it's become so crucial. So they weren't afraid to throw those penalties and call people out on doing things like that. And they knew when you were doing it too. They weren't like, oh, he's probably doing nothing. Oh, he, he got he probably got shot, but he dipped into the reservoir. Um Maybe he shot, maybe he's not. I don't know. Maybe I'm not going to check him because I don't want to give away his position. No, they were like, that guy might have gotten shot. Ran in there, checked yeah. him. Oh, you're shot. You're wiping. Pull red flag. Oh, you know, it was the most fairly ref mech event I've ever been a part of. Um, they had picked no sides, no favorites. I mean, they were all congratulating everybody. They were giving everyone from each team, like, you know, uh, little tips and tricks because they, you know, they're pros. They played 
or they'll be like, congratulations uh, on doing that that play. That was great. So I heard him say that one of the All-American guys. Um, they were like, you know, like, that was a cool play kind of thing. They weren't like, oh, I'm a ref. This is my job. I'm the ultimate. No, they were like, you know, having fun too as refs. But they were so fair. Um, the fields were literally – there was not a leaf on the ground. When I say this, I mean – Yeah, they look, they look mad clean. They were like so nice. They rebuilt the entire fields from head to toe. They didn't re rebuild it, but they restructured the entire fields head to toe bulldozed parking lots for everybody like built everything i mean the only thing that people were complaining about that i could hear is they only had uh limited air stations because they had to, a, a wagon with the, the um, air stations. but you know what it worked the air fills were great i mean it was right on site that uh, you had you could get a full air fill at um up the hill uh which was a little farther but they supplied golf carts anyway for people who needed that uh valken had the had some paint uh, there and the pro and graffiti and it shot great. I mean, no one complained about it. Uh, it literally, it was great. You had the band there. Um, you, it was. I was. I was laughing when I saw that jersey. I was like, ah, see what they did there, putting the band oh, yeah. back together. Of got course, it. of course. You know, no, but you, you got people like legends. You, you have Jerry Braun running the event with the Blasters, and you just you just know it's going to be good. Um, and I'm actually just knowing to, the uh, work that they put into it. I'm going to try to interview him in July, actually. Please do. He's an exceptional person. A lot of kids growing up these days have no idea who him, uh, Fred Schultz, like oh, Tom yeah. K, Bud Orr, they don't know who any of those guys are. And it's like this, the foundation of our sport, you know? So it's, uh, you know, those kind of people need to need to be talked to you. As a matter of fact, I need to reach out to Fred too. Uh, yeah. Try to get uh, a conversation with him. But uh, yeah, Jerry, I definitely want to hear his side of the story. Cause that dude was, pivotal in uh trying oh, yeah. to just put out any kind of content like in the 90s when i was a kid like probably 75 percent of the stuff that i tried to record off of espn or take your pick of whatever else had jerry in it so right uh, yeah if he was involved then i know that it's going to probably be a pretty quality event i heard a story um recently about bud um that just oh, made my heart melt it's so nice um it was like it wasn't skyball it was a little after sky no it might have been skyball um, I forget who told me this story, but they were like, you know, a bit, they were a kid at the time. They were really like happy to be at a paintball event. Like they weren't playing. They were just, you know, a spectator. And they went up to, you know, the legendary Bud Orr as a kid. And they're like, can I get an autograph? And he's like, let me do you one better. You want to get some food? You know, got his, uh, his dad and they came together and Bud sat down with them, got food, talked to them. Literally the legendary Bud Orr at the time. Wow who, you know, people would be like, you know, you go up to a famous person and they're like, oh yeah, I'll sign an order. All right, get out of here. No, Bud was like, hey, yeah, let's get some food. You know, they sat down, they had some food. Someone had come up to Bud and was like, hey, I need you to do something for for this um, thing right now. Can you come with me right now for this? Because, you know, he was a big deal. He still is, but he was just left and right, left and right all the time. And he took the time out of his busy, busy schedule to sit down and eat some food with them. And he was like, hey, listen, I have to do this thing right now. It's very important, but let's rain check this because they were like halfway done or whatnot. He's like, let's rain check this. I'll give you my contact information. We'll do it again. And oh, wow. they did later on in life. You know, it's people like that in the sport, literally ambassadors of the sport that you need because in order to be a legend at this point, you need to be an ambassador. Winning is one thing, but supporting people like just in general that you can be a, a pro name, whatever in any sport across, but if you're not a good person, then really what's the point, you know, Yeah. because we're all people in the end. So 
you know, it really shows your character when you're uh, someone who is well known that is just not a good influence on people. But when you're, uh, you know, a well known person and you're really p promoting positivity and it's just like supporting the people that love you, you know, in a good way, in a good light, and showcasing them in a good light too, the way you, any way you can, you know, like just hearing that story made my heart melt and I was like, wow. So, you know, just being a person like Bud is the kind of person that you should strive to be. And he's like my my hero for doing that, doing things like that. He's done that every day of his life. And I'm just, I can't, you know, it makes me want to cry. I want to be like him, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's nice when people treat other people like people. I know it sounds weird, but, uh, you know, how weird is it that, you know, that's, it's acceptable that people do that. Yeah, but, like uh, even if yeah. I never make the pro ranks, if I never do anything paintball sport related and in, in the ranking wise, if I can just be an influence as much as Bud has been in the sport, that's all that matters to me. So that'd be cool. I mean, that's something to strive for for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, also, you know, making one of the most legendary guns ever. That's kind of nice too. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it is kind of, which, nice you know, there's, um, something, I got some news that I can't release yet about that, but it's, yeah, we're just okay, cool. Put that well, back burner. I'll keep, uh, I'll keep screening PB nation then. Word. Word. <laughs> Cool, man. All right. So that was the Woods Bowl World Cup. That worked out pretty good. ICPL. Please tell me your impressions of that because I've got some of my own and some of my own opinions. I'm going to keep to myself about it. But right. let's hear uh, let's hear about uh, you guys. So with us, you know, we're, we have our plan. Aggression, 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 <sighs> uh, and learn from it, uh, from our mistakes. We literally went to an event being like, all right, we're going to be aggressive. Hopefully we'll do well. Like we always do. We always go with this, this plan. Hopefully we do well, but we're going to pull something out of it and we're going to grow as a team together. So there have been, there was plenty of times, you know, in that event where we were like, no, maybe we should just like sit back and, you know, maybe try to win. And we're like, nah, let's try our thing and literally progressing <laughs> this way. But there were plenty of times where we were starting to get upset with what, were, what was happening because, you know, sometimes people have rough times with plays that are called and like as far as, um, uh the, the referee uh refs and all that but um we you know we had a few complaints but we realized after you know the job that they have is tough uh, and not only that but just finding refs in general for some events are tough so sometimes you got to take what you can get and uh the the refs that were like you know the the um seasoned refs uh, I, on the last day, because it was so hot out, a lot of the refs uh, ended up losing their housing or something like that, and they ended up going home. But the seasoned refs still continued to stay, and you saw a major change, especially on the high ball field, uh, in the refing. I think on Sunday, because you know the the seasoned refs really they stepped up, and they were like, "Nope, we're staying for this event. This is what we do." And the calls you could tell were becoming more and more legit. The only issue was there was a lot less of them, a lot less yeah. of the refs. But that was the biggest issue because there were some bad calls that were being called um, from people who were not experienced refs. Um, but the thing is, people are complaining about that. And, yeah, I understand it's an event and there's going to be some bad calls and whatnot. And there were a lot, of, according to other people that I've heard about. But it's not like I said, it, it's a growing experience, especially for us. So, you know, these bad calls happen. And um, even if you know they happen a lot, they happen often that's sometimes better for us because sometimes you need to lose to win. Uh, so, someone also had told me that, I forget, someone literally just told me that, might have been Steve, um, uh, as of recent, you need to lose to win. So these uh, these refs that were pulling bodies for stuff that, you know, um, 
happens that might have been a mistake actually made us stronger. And, and you know, sometimes uh, you need that. So because like we were upset about it, for example, we were very upset about it and we were just getting angry about it and yelling about it in the pits. And then we're like, it took us a few seconds and then we're all just like we stopped. And we're like, all right, you know what? This ain't us. We need to just have fun. That's why we were like thinking like, hey, we need to slow our game down. We need to do this to win. We need to do this. And we're like, hey, guys, you remember why we're here? We're going to have fun. We're going to grow as a team. This is not productive, what we're doing right now. We need to analyze why we're getting shot or why things are happening. You know, we're losing bodies. And think about it. There's going to be plenty of times because our, our plays are so aggressive that we're losing bodies. And these penalties that they're pulling that we're getting like, you know, four or five people on a minor. Um, it's actually making us stronger because it puts us way down on bodies. And at that point, we can learn how to, you know, reenact some things. You know, remember, we're here for growth. We're not here for – we are here to win, but we're here to grow as well. So, yeah, you know, yeah that's my, why we uh, always have our aggression to, to back us on that. So We had a, one of the guys on our team is a preseasoned 10-man uh, uh, guy. And uh, at the end of that, I mean, I – I'll I'll admit that I actually owe some of the refs an apology because I mean just on the sidelines I was I was pretty heated about some of the stuff that was happening yeah. and may have said some things that wasn't terribly friendly and uh, you know what that is that is unprofessional on me and so I do at least owe them an apology for all the refs that were out there that were dying in the same heat that we were dying in at ICPL exactly so I'll, go and I'll go ahead exactly. and say that and you know and, you uh, hit the you hit the nail on the head there with the word professionally you got to act professionally and that's the thing is people. You know, they're on Go Sports and they're doing all these things and they're not acting like a professional should, you know. Yeah. Um, but like, for example, at, literally at ICPL, um, my buddy, uh, the King Bones, it was just me and him left against a few guys. Uh, and because there was a, like a six for one penalty that was pulled for some reason. And um, Rough. yeah, on someone that wasn't hit. But um, that's besides the point. It still made us stronger. And this is it made me stronger. And this is the reason why. Um you know, Bones filled up because they had come all the way to our snake and I'm right next to the S1 and he's at the Roly in the, the 30 center. So he comes all the way across the field to stab the snake while he knew I was putting in the center 50. But right in the, uh, the split second, the center 50 like had a ball that was going to hit me. I had to snap back in. But I did manage to get a ball back at him. So he snapped back in too. But he saw the king run. So I instantly snapped back out to shoot um, – at the 50 and I was shooting at him. I clipped him, but um, he still got bones. And I instantly, right when that happened, right when I clipped him, I didn't even think for a split second. I dipped right into the bones' bunker and they lost track of me. They thought I was still in that bunker. All the four guys that were alive on their squad didn't know where I was. They thought I was right next to the snake. So instead of you know waiting for the snake guy to pop up, I just ran around the D side, bunkered the 50, and then one of the Dorito players spun around and was like, oh shit shot me like uh i don't know he unloaded the rest of his hopper basically and then reloaded and unloaded that whole hopper and i'm walking off the field like i'm still talking to you real life's happening while i'm no worries i can see you here hold on but yeah he unloaded a whole hopper into me and then reloaded and loaded a whole nother hopper and said get the f off my field while i'm still walking back and he's still shooting me with two hoppers of paint um i run over i walk all the way to like our flag station while they're trying to clear the field I walk over to the ref and I'm like towards the ref. I'm like, Hey ref, can you take my armband? The guy that lit me up with two hoppers comes over and rips my own armband off. He goes, I'll take that, which is illegal in so many ways. 
And the, everyone on the sidelines like, come on, ref, you're not going to call that? And I'm like, come on, ref. And he, the ref goes, well, you're talking as a dead player, so I, I can pull you too. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to react in this scenario. I'm going to keep it professional. Good call, ref. I'm a dead, dead talking player. I'm just going to walk off the field uh, as if nothing happened. You know, I'm, I'm telling everybody on the sideline, dude, I'm just here to have fun. I'm here to grow up myself. Stuff like that's going to happen, and I'm not going to react to it because I'm a professional. And everyone on the sidelines are trying to support me and back me up. Like that's not legit. You know, you should be. You shouldn't have to put up with that. They're all running to the the um, the, uh, the scoreboard area so they can be like, you can't let that happen, kind of thing. All these teams that were surrounding me, it's they're coming together to support me in that scenario. But I'm still acting like a professional because I just. That's what it should be. Uh, you know, I'm trying to be an ambassador of the sport and be like, this is what we need to react as. You know, people do that kind of stuff. We don't need to be like, oh, and then punch them in the face or whatever, create a fight like normal, like most people would do. You need to just brush it off, stand tall, and be like, thank you for that. I'm gonna come at you harder the next time. Act like Solid. a professional and just, you know. But I think most people would have just spun around and punched that guy in the face. <laughs> but yeah, that, that just makes us stronger. It yeah, made me right. stronger that happening. So. The guy Ryan. Uh, one sec, you're breaking up again. Oh, I mean, was like, hey man, played better than bad refing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, hey, uh, real life's happening, so I've got to get going here in a second. Uh, no worries, dude. You know, I would definitely like to. I definitely like to. You know, have a, a part two of this, if uh, if uh, possible. But uh, as of right now, I'll give you a couple seconds. Uh, how about a shout out to your sponsors or anybody in particular? All right, so first we got Valken. We got Cousins. Oh, sorry. Wait, Valken, Cousins. <laughs> this is uh, Judd Lafreniere's um, construction company that we got here. Uh, Powerhouse Regs, Virtue, Inception, Yankee Paintball, Route 40, Planet Eclipse. We also got the Alley Remembered Foundation. We got Ultra Silk. We got literally anyone I haven't mentioned, please put it in the chat. So many people that have helped us out. Ugly Paintball. I forgot about them, too. They're helping us out. Um, they're, uh, they're not sponsoring us. They're... Um, we're partnering with them. They're ambassadors of the sport because we work with Under for uh, clothing. However, yeah, I was about to say know, it looks like looks ugly like Chris is, is hooking you up with his jerseys. Yeah, Under's got great stuff, and they hook us up by far. But you know, um, we're ambassadors of the sport, so we're helping everybody that you know asks for help from us. And Ugly had reached out; they didn't ask for help. They reached out to to help with uh, things like Kieran. I don't know if you heard about the Kieran thing with um, getting him a, a Lux Ace. He's um. An individual who has a uh, William syndrome that uh, oh, okay yeah yeah he I was just getting started he had just getting started and we got him hooked up with some great gear and thanks to Andy Starr for from the Alley Remember uh, Remembered Foundation for getting us involved with that and yeah cool and you but, did um, you did something with the uh, Ballers for the Puzzle the other day right yeah yeah Rob's great too Rob um, I'm always hooking up with Rob on different things uh, different yeah, projects. I've been talking to Rob. I got a kid on the spectrum myself, so it's uh, he's been pretty cool to talk to about that lately. Yeah, Rob. I really amazing. wish I can. I really wish I can make that ten man in Philly, but uh, like I said, real life's happening, so it is what it and is. If anybody, anybody wants to get involved with the ten man in Philly, hit up Rob Anarella, <laughs> paintballers for the puzzle. He's for the sure. man. So for sure, I could All talk right. forever, dude. It has I'll been a blast. Episode two soon. So. <laughs> No worries. It's been a blast. Uh, I definitely look forward to a part two. I look forward to, uh, you know, hitting you up in Chicago or at ICC. I'll be there with the, the veteran militia guys. And Word. so uh, definitely looking forward to a party. And you're, you know, after talking, come to find out just up the road from me. So maybe we can, you know, grab a yeah. beer or something like that or an appropriate beverage uh, between now and then. It's good talking to you, brother. Take it easy. Temple.
All right. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good talking to you, brother. Take it easy. And uh, until next time, man. Sounds good, man. All right. Later. Later. Welcome back, everybody. That was Eric Sanchez of GZ Red. I was thrilled to have him on the show, and uh, wish we had would have had more time. Uh, real life was happening uh, live as we were trying to trying to record the show. I will definitely make sure we get a rematch later on. Before I close this episode, be sure to check out the Banana Bus Podcast from our boys across the pond. We have a wager, so to speak, about them producing or not producing merchandise, and I, for one, would very much look forward to having a Banana Bus Paintball Podcast t-shirt, or whatnot. We need more paintball content, so feel free to subscribe, and do the same for all the other paintball podcasts and channels out there. Steve McGuire at Popular Unknown Paintball Podcast. Buddy, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to help me out with the product that I'm trying to put out, with all the technical aspects and such. Other shout-outs go out to Carl at Playing On Podcast, Overshot Paintball Podcast, Banana Bus, Mike Zapp, I miss your content, buddy, Play The Game, Tyler, thanks for taking the time to talk at the Old Bay Classic, Dave at Airtime Paintball on YouTube, and stay tuned for more interviews, stories, and more at Relic, a classic paintball podcast. <laughs>